0: Do you see another All Star on the Blazers right now? I do. I think Myers Leonard has potential
1: to be an All Star. Let's, let's go! Come on, everybody, and let's get to and cause it's Trail the time. David Ritz is jumping now. up the
2: Hey, Come on, everybody! Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Matt, and I'm Dustin, and I'm Sage. And it's been a little while since we've been with you on our, well, this time is pretty, pretty much a biannual podcast. We're getting back into it.
1: Dustin was working for the Blazers for a while, so... I mean, there uh, were a lot of things I wish I could say, but probably shouldn't have, so now it's, it'll be left all out there. Free reign. Uh, Sage's coming at you from Southern Oregon. Getting started, we are back, and... You know, it's been quite an offseason.
2: We, we missed a lot. Yeah, we did. So today, today we're going to talk about thoughts on the offseason, players that we lost... Who we think is going to step up and uh, you know take the place of some of those guys? We lost four-fifths of our starting lineup. Most uh,
1: importantly, is Lamarcus going to get booed in his return?
2: Uh, check out the starting lineup. What we think that's going to be. Some of our favorite games coming up. Let's Getting, jump right into it. Yeah,
1: off-season so far, guys. What, what would you give Neil Olshey? as a grade? I mean, considering that the majority of people outside of Portland felt what Marcus was going to leave, he kind of had to do a job one hand tied behind his back. How would you grade him? Well, I think that
2: you kind of have to look at whether or not you go back last year and consider that in the grade. If you consider this offseason, really he's done some moves that have kind of rejuvenated the team, started us kind of at ground zero, maybe a little bit, but at the same time, we have the pieces there to move forward. Could be exciting, could keep building. I think Neil O'Shea is a good GM. However, you go back and look at last year and you know I think everybody kind of got the feeling that Lamarcus wasn't really sure that he wanted to be in Portland I think everybody would concede that and a lot of people would say that he didn't want to be in
1: Portland I think Lamarcus was giving mixed signals because he was quoted as saying he wants to go down as the greatest trailblazer of all time and when you say something like that to trailblazer fans We latch onto that. We take that word as bond. We are a rabid fan base. And I think at the time, you know, we came off beating Houston, got to the second round for the first time in 14 years. There might have been some euphoria, and LaMarcus might have been, you know, drinking a little bit of that Kool-Aid. I think, genuinely, at that time, he really did want to stay in Portland. But I got to give O'Shea a solid B plus. These moves feel very savvy, reminiscent of the two thousand thirteen offseason when he got Robin Lofus for Jeff Whitkie in Cap Space. He went out and, you know, signed Mo Williams on the cheap. You know, he really made some good moves, got Thomas Robinson again for Cap Space. You know, we're seeing some of these similar moves where we took the twenty third pick in the draft, which Ended up being Ronnie Hollis-Jefferson, a player who I think is going to be a really good player in this league. But he turned him into Mason Plumlee. Who's, I like him. Yeah, we love Rondae, and yeah. I, I, that's the one move that I still kind of question. But regardless, we got the Nets' best young prospect. He's in Team USA right now. Mason Plumlee, very athletic, a great pick-and-roll defender. You know, we pick up Mo Harkless for a second-round pick that's never going to happen. It's protected 55. I really hope it does happen because that means we're doing really well. You know, 55-60 to 60 protected but the move that I think that set it off and was gonna happen regardless of the Marcus was trading Nick.
2: Yeah. And he really regressed last year and you felt like a lot of it, you know, probably had to do with
1: injury. Um, but when is it not injury with him? I mean, Nick, I love the guy, he's super nice, and when he's on, you're like this is the guy we want on our team. Yeah. But there was too many nights and I'll take last year as a classic example, we're in Los Angeles, ironically enough, it was the game before Wesley tours Achilles and everything, you know, started rolling downhill. The Clippers were pounding us. I mean, they were taking us behind the woodshed on national television to boot. you got Nick. Stotts puts him in at point guard because the Clippers were double-teaming Dame At you know, every time he could get as soon as he crossed half-court. And he was running the pick-and-roll, throwing lobs to LaMarcus and Robin. They had no answer for that, and we had an incredible comeback. And those are the nights where you're like, yeah, this dude is worth $12 million a year. We need to sign him. He's really the third star. But then he'll follow it up, and he just wasn't aggressive enough for my liking. He just wouldn't shoot enough. His wrist really bothered shooting this year as well, more so than usual. But overall, I think he had a great run in Portland. It's just Sometimes it's just time to let it go. Yeah, I remember really questioning when we gave him that big contract
2: uh, if he was going to be worth it or not. And I remember the year after he got that contract, I left that year. I mean, he, again, he was still inconsistent at times. But I left that year thinking, yeah, that this guy is, is worth that money. He showed a lot of promise, a little bit more uh, aggressiveness. He was kind of, I don't know, it just seemed like he had taken the next step. He really was sure of his role in Portland. But... That regressed again. He just kind of slowly seemed to lose interest, lose passion, lose something, and he just didn't seem to have it. So, yeah, I mean, turning it into prospects. uh, Let's talk about Vonley a little bit because, interesting,
1: it was the ninth pick, I believe, two years ago. Ninth pick. uh, 2014. He was actually projected to go top five, so he dropped a little bit. And what we got, as soon as I saw that on my Twitter feed pop up from Woj, was get Henderson and Vonley for Batum. You know, I did the fist pump in my cubicle. I was stoked. To get a guy like that with that much potential, I know people will look at Thomas Robinson and say, yeah, we got him a year after he was the fifth pick, but, you know, we also got Rasheed Wallace the year after he was a top five pick for Strickland. You know, we can go both ways. And I think with Batum being a free agent next year, we really had no intention on resigning him, especially with the cap going the way it was and how negotiations went with this agent a couple of years ago. I just think it was a great gamble. And then when you see him in Summer League, he gets to play, and he knows he gets to play. Like, he's not looking over his shoulder at Al Jefferson coming in for him, or Bismack Biyombo, Cody Zeller. If he makes a mistake, Coach is going to pull him. Like, he knows he's going to get to play. And we saw the same thing with Myers Leonard in the playoffs. When a guy knows he's going to get a consistent run, he can just play loose and let the game come to him. And his three-point shooting, I did not know he had range like that. And he's not afraid to pull the trigger. Yeah, that's either. pretty impressive. But
2: he's got stroke from deep. Yeah, and... I think we kind of forget that he was, you know, injured last year, kind of came in. I mean, I, I can only imagine how tough that would be to come in, you know, partway through your rookie year and having been injured and just have to come in and, and try to figure everything out on the fly like that where everybody else has been playing for, you know, some, most of them have been playing for years. And I watched the highlights right after the trade hit happened. I, you know, I went straight to YouTube. It was like, Noah Vonley. I don't hardly, I mean, I remember
0: him a little bit from college. Hadn't seen him play in the NBA. Well, you played in Charlotte.
1: I mean, yeah, you yeah, won't
0: right. see Charlotte play. I remember him being a finesse player, and in the summer league I saw it, and I, I'm yeah, cool with
1: it. He, he, I'm cool with it too. Like he can put the ball on the floor. That was my biggest gripe with Marcuses. For nine years, he could not develop a handle. Vonleh can take a guy off the dribble. You know, he's not that level yet, but he's he has a skill set, and he's still so young that you know it's intriguing. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Well, when I, I want, I hope put, he
2: gets that royal jelly. He's a goal, right? Yeah, and I think if he can if he can figure out, you know, Zach Randolph. You know, he's kind of a bruiser, but he's very finesse around the rim, and he's so good at it. crafty. Yeah, he's very, very crafty. And I could see, you know, if no, no, Bonley, even if he doesn't, you know, bulk up and have that kind of body, but I can see him being that crafty around the rim. Uh, just watching, like I said, watching the highlights last year when he was playing for the Hornets, it just seemed like he didn't quite have, he just didn't finish around the rim very well. In, in summer league he seemed like he kind of figured that out he was very much more confident looking so maybe you throw him in there give him some, some playing time I think you have to throw him in there with yeah.
1: this team Like that's what we did we stripped it down we said we're going to try and find some diamonds in the rough take a couple gambles and hopefully a couple pan out so I think this is the perfect situation for him but before we move on to you know, too far ahead. I kind of want to look back at the players that we we lost because, you know, that core gave Portland and their fans the first playoff series victory in 14 years. I mean, that's a long time to go, and the fashion that they did it, LaMarcus went 46 and 43 back-to-back on the road. Dane hitting that shot, just the exuberance that the players have. Like, everyone forgets about the San Antonio series. I do, too. That never happened in my mind. <laughs> All that happened at the end of last uh, 2014 was that series, so, you know, for a lot of fans, it was, like, you know, breaking up. And it was tough to see a lot of likable guys go. But the player I'm going to miss the most is Wesley. It, it's... I, me and Matt were actually in attendance at that Mavericks game when he went down, yeah. and and I, I will tell you, Matt will back me up. He went down, and I'm like, it, it's an ankle. Like you're just in denial at the point. You're like, it, it's got to be an ankle. It doesn't look, you know, too bad. Obviously, we didn't have the TNT angle. I mean, uh, if I were to sign that, you, you could tell it's Achilles right away. Yeah. Um, but I was also at the Laker game earlier in the year when Wesley just went down like he was like, you know, just somebody like shot him. And he's like, like writhing on the on the floor in pain. And he goes to the locker room. And I, at, right then, I, I'm thinking, knee, tore, you know, he's done for the year. ACL, yeah. Ten minutes later, he comes out and he's back on the floor. Like, this is our Iron Man mm-hmm. He's indestructible. And so that's what's going through my mind. And to learn that Wesley, of all of our players... Has to you know is done for the year. Like that's the last memory we really have of him on the court. And I think that's kind of a dis like a disservice to him. Yeah. Like I think it's not the way I would have liked to see his career end here. Yeah.
2: And you know he had he was one of those guys that just he was all out every play. You kind of get attached to that guy because you look at him and you're like, he doesn't really have the skills. He developed some skills, some very good three-point shooting skills, but you could just see the areas where his game wasn't it's very just, polished. He plays on guts.
1: Yeah. He was, he was our boo. Uh, we love you, Wesley. Best of luck in Dallas. I, I really hope he... The one thing with Wesley is he hates not playing, and he will play through injuries even when he shouldn't, and he's going to rush back. He's going to try to get on the court as soon as possible. I really hope the Mavericks take their time with him because they invested a lot of money in him. I would That's the last thing I want to see is him come back too early and re-injure re that, that Achilles. So take your time, Wes. Get healthy. Can't wait to see you on the court again. I will definitely be there when you return to Rip City to cheer you on. Yeah. Um,
2: and then, obviously, LaMarcus. A um, lot of ups and downs. I personally...
1: If I'm there at the game, I don't think I'm going to boo him. But I, I'm booing him. Sorry, LaMarcus. You can't say you're going to be the best Trailblazer of all time. And then, for one, meet with the Lakers. If you're going to meet with teams, it's fine. <laughs> that is straight sacrilege right there to meet with the Lakers. I, I'm sorry. Like You've been in Rip City nine years. You know the beat LA chance. You know how intense those games are. To me, that was a slap in the face. Yeah. Um, both, both teams could have not won a single
2: game up to that point, and that the Rose Garden would still be—sorry, so, the modus No, no, it's Rose Garden. Would still be sold out. I think there's going to be mixed reactions. I, he does have his fans, but he, think- he did give a lot to this team, and and he did give us. Almost not quite single-handedly, but he was the catalyst for our playoff win. I understand. I understand why he he wants. I, th- I just feel like he doesn't. I feel like his heart has always been in Texas. Every time, the fact that Every time we go down there, he, especially to Dallas, he always seems to have an amazing game. Uh, I think his heart has always been stuck in Dallas, and maybe part of me already knew that, so I wasn't shocked. But I do get what you're saying. When I rationalize it, I'm like, maybe he meant that in the moment, like he was like, "Yeah, this is the Blazers." And then I think he's also kind of mercurial. He like as the season goes on, he just. I think he got tired. I think things weren't going as well as they did the previous year. Obviously, injuries caught up with us a little bit more last year, and I think he just got
1: got tired i think he'll probably be one of those players maybe being home will help i guess what really bugged me was i felt like when he came back from the, the thumb i was like oh this dude's manning up right now and I, I think that's the first time like i've seen lamarcus like take charge of a situation i was so proud of him like and he was dominating the first game against the wizards you know double double blazers victory when we needed it so badly but i think He just checked out after West went down, and in that playoff series, if you watch, he played terrible. I mean, I know we're going to be worse this year, but that article, I think it was by Jabari Young who mentioned that Ime Udoka really was the recruiter that sold him on San Antonio. But it was just interesting to see how, like, Popovich, Tony Parker, Tim Duncan, those guys weren't enough to convince him. Because Phoenix was his number two choice, which blows my mind. That would be a terrible situation. Yeah, you're the man, but that team's not going anywhere. Yeah. So it took that much to convince him to go to San Antonio, and he was worried that, one, he wasn't going to have to play center. Newsflash, Duncan sits out a lot. You're going to play center, bro. Second, that he's worried that he wasn't going to get his points. So Popovich, I, I think he's going to have his work cut out with him with Lamarcus. Cause he's gonna and have to David West, too. They're both David ball-stopping West, bigs. I think David West... And this could be sour grapes. People can take what they want. I think David West is the better acquisition for the Spurs. I think, I he's think gonna... so as well, but I love me some David West. Absolutely I've, love I've always liked David West's game. He knows what he is, and he doesn't try to you know, do anything and else. And he
0: always adds something in the offseason. So I want to see what it is. Maybe it's good passing. Maybe it's actually playing defense.
2: <laughs> Not very likely. I don't know. I think Lamarcus. We'll see. I, I think honestly, I think uh, being on that team, he respects Tim Duncan a lot. He's gonna buy in. I think Greg Popovich is, is such a good coach. I think he's gonna get Lamarcus to buy in. I think Lamarcus is actually gonna fit in really well. I think it might take him a little time to to find his place. And I think it might be a situation very similar to Chris Bosh going to to Miami, where, where you know he's gonna have to take a back seat. And that's gonna be the question: is is, La, is Lamarcus all about winning, and will he be willing to take the back seat so that they can win? Or is he going to, you know, start worrying about his touches? And, and is he going to be a ball stopper on the offensive end? But-
1: I think bottom line for the Spurs, they have to get LaMarcus to buy in. And if they can get him to be part of the team, which is going to be tough, you know, like you said, there's going to be transition. He's already, like said, you know, he's gotten lost twice in San Antonio. Like, he has never had a home arena other than Portland. So it's going to be a big adjustment for him. You know, if he can get over that, that learning curve, he definitely makes that team dangerous if they can stay in the team concept and swing the ball like they did in 2014 when they won it all. I mean, that was one of the most dominant playoff runs I've seen from a team, and he only adds to that, so they're definitely going to be a threat out west. Yeah. We talked a little bit about Nicholas Batum. What about Rolo? Yeah, oh, what Rob. do you guys think Absolutely. of that? You know what? I really love Rolo, um, not only no. because, like, not only because, you know, he was, he was our sideshow, Rob. He was actually pretty decent on offense. He was really good in the pick and roll with Batum. He hit his free throws, which for bigs, you know, that's a big plus in my eyes. He had the baby hook and what I loved about him, he didn't do what he couldn't do. Like, he stayed inside his box. The players loved him because they knew they didn't have to run plays for him. Like, he was just the garbage man. And he did a pretty good job. He kept the offense or kept the defense honest. He did. He had that nice 10 to 12 foot jumper. Yeah. But for whatever reason, after that hand injury, he just was not the same player. He couldn't hit that jumper. He just looked... He looked out of rhythm, out of sync, and back like the whole team did the better half of the second part of the season, yeah, and you know who knows if there was something internal that we didn't know about because obviously you know the media doesn't equal everything. But he didn't look like the same player, and um, you know he was underpaid at five million last year. So you know he, you know, kudos to him to getting a nice payday. But you know I'm hoping he, he returns to form. You know a lot of people hate on the Knicks, but I think the NBA is good when New York's going well, and for their sake they they really need to start clicking. Well, but back to our Blazers, the current Blazers. Who are you most excited to see of the new guys that we got? I'm pretty excited to see Mason Plumlee. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. With our lack of of
2: anybody that's really established as uh, an offensive threat, you know, I think Mason Plumlee could be averaging
0: 15 points and maybe 10, 11, you know, 12 yeah, rebounds. I think he could be the whole a double-double, yeah. nightly
1: double-double guy. Yeah, and
0: he can defend the pick and roll, which the Blazers <laughs> needed for the last three years.
1: Sage is definitely right. We got destroyed on pick and roll, especially against Chris Paul and the Clippers. He just had career games against us. So you took. Mace. Um, we've already talked a lot about that Obviously, I'm really excited about him. But there's a player that I'm excited to see, and it's Al Farouk And I knew this was going to uh, spark Sage, but he played some incredible basketball in the playoffs against the Rockets. And I think Olshay is, you know, rolling dice a little bit, hoping that that's only just the tip of the iceberg for him. And the starting small forward spot is, you know, up for grabs. You know, I mean, he was a good hustle player. I didn't actually get to see the games in the
2: playoffs last year. I have watched in the past for one year. He was on my fantasy team, and granted, this was two years ago or three years ago. He got rebounds for you. He got rebounds, but man, every time he touched the ball, it just it just seemed like something something bad might be about to happen. So, mm-hmm. you I think he will at least be a very good you know garbage man, and you know his game may have advanced
1: more on the offensive end. So, well, I'm just looking forward to having more slashers on the team. I felt like we got. We fell way too in love with the three-point shot. We don't have as many three-point shooters this year, but we have a lot more slashers with Aminu, with um, Gerald Henderson. Um, CJ is great at getting to the rack. So I'm looking forward to seeing us take more twos, less threes, being more, more more choosy with our three-point shots because, like I said, I think we were just hoisting them up, you know, without moving the ball around. We just did not make the defense work. You go back to the Memphis series, and it was one pass, contested shot, and Against a team like Memphis, you cannot mess around. Like They will beat you up if you, you know, let them off the hook. I've watched Al Aminu
0: for three years every game. I- I'm a fan of another team. I've been rocking with the Blazers hard, but I'm Tell a fan us another us another stage. I- I'm a fan of the Pelicans. What I could say about his game is he's an elite rebounder for the small forward position. And I think you can get rebounding in another position. His defense is overrated. I've seen him blow so many backdoor cuts. And offensively, he's going to suck in that defense. So the slashers won't have room to slash. And Damien's going to hoist up a lot of bad shots because it's four on five on offense.
2: That's, some, that's a glowing review of, yeah. of Al yeah. me
0: <laughs> I mean, that's kind of been what I've seen, uh, too. So I-, I don't hate you. He actually follows me on Twitter, which is surprising because I talk, oh, so much crap about <laughs> few
1: years but thanks for the follow on me. So you're you know, saying he can in the, in that playoff series, he he shot 55%. And he shot 64% from 3. You don't think that's going to keep up? In the offseason, I thought MLE for Alf
0: Rookmino. With the not with the salary cap going up, with the salary cap going up I, his I, deal. I thought MLE, man. That's what I think his value See, is. I think All right. Well, that said, okay, who do you think is going to be the
1: starting lineup? Uh, I mean, outside you got Pencil and Damian Lillard at point guard. Really? Yeah, I I I think it's, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, alright. Outside of Dame, those four spots are up for grabs. Yeah. I do think Gerald Henderson is going to start at the two, but CJ will finish at that backcourt of CJ and Dame. They're both Neal guys, he drafted them both. Yeah. He spoke so highly of CJ during the press conferences, even envisions him playing some backup point guard yeah. so cj's going to get the bulk of his minutes but i still envision him as a six man of the year off the bench type of guy in the finishing five right yeah i think yeah. he's definitely going to be in the finishing five and I, you know in the playoffs last year he really stepped and even at the
2: end of the season you just saw like the, the game was starting to slow down for him he was starting to get it uh, i'm really excited to see cj as well i do think also that he's probably going to come off the bench um the only thing I, I wonder about uh, with him and Dame playing together is they're they're both guys that really seem to need the ball in their hands. I mean, CJ can shoot off either one. Of can, either one of them can shoot, you know, uh, off a, off a pass. But for the most part, you know, when CJ was at his best, it was when he had the ball in his hands, and when Dame was at his best, it was when he had the ball in his hands. So. That was that was one of the things that was so nice about West. You didn't expect him to create. He would just sit on the outside
1: and and, and take those shots. But we'll see. I mean, so uh, Lillard has played a lot of two guard, especially when we had Mo Williams, yeah. And then when we brought in C Blake. so Lillard at least is used to playing without the ball. CJ not so much. So, but I do agree with your point. CJ's going to have to learn. If he's yeah. going to take the next step to play without the ball a little bit. Kind of Rip Hamilton go off those curls, get in that mid-range shot where he's so money from. Yeah, but I'm I'm really excited. I think he can learn it. He seems like a
2: really heady, really smart player. You know, any guy that actually takes on journalism the way he does is, is somebody who really studies the game and understands the game. And you can just tell when he talks about it, he's got a different level of understanding than maybe, you know, certainly when other players at least talk about it. He's able to communicate well, and I guess that at least gives you the sense that he really knows what he's doing. Uh, small forward, who do you think ends up getting the start? Do you you think know, I mean, who's going to
1: get it? I think once free agency was over. The assumption was, yeah, we paid big money for menu But then we saw Alan Crabb. He started off slow in summer league, but then he came on strong before the injury. Thankfully, the injury isn't going to keep him out of training camp. And then you saw Olshay like, get Mo Harkless from Orlando. So I think that is the spot that is going to be the most up for grabs. That's going to be the training camp, Battle Royale. Yeah. Whoever comes out of training camp in preseason, and I think preseason, Coach Doss even, might even try different lineups at that small forward to see what works. That might even be a rotating starter throughout the season. Yeah, I think initially it'll be Aminu just because of the experience. And you know, he's even though he's unproven, he's the most proven commodity of those three. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's Harkless or Crab towards
2: the end of the season. Right. Alan Crabb really took another step in summer league, and obviously it's just summer league, and, and you never know how it's going to translate. I think he does have a future as a as a shooting guard or a small forward.
1: I don't think he's going to get that much run again this year. Aside from small forward, the Blazers have a surplus of bigs, and that's a good thing to have. I mean, you've got Ed Davis, Noah Vonley, Chris Kamen, who a lot of people forget about, Yeah. Myers Leonard, and Mason Plumlee. Myers called himself, they said, you know, are you a 4 or a 5? said, no, I'm, four, I'm a 4.5. He oh, okay. can do both. I don't know where he starts, but Myers Leonard is going to be a starter. Shooting is too good. He's too athletic. And one thing I love about him, passing. He's a great passer for a big. Um, he played pretty dang good defense against Marcus Sewell in the post. Yeah, and and he's taken steps every
2: year. He's one of those guys that. I mean, he came out of Illinois after what a sophomore year. Yep. And you know he's so he's still young. He's continued to improve every year. I mean, last year he was a viable player. I mean that that was something that. He showed a couple little flashes the year before, but last year he was a viable player. He was in there. He was contributing. He was hitting threes of great consistency. He was open. He, he was our
1: hit. best three-point shooter. It got to the point where Meyer shoots, you're already putting you know, the three fingers in the air like that. That's cash. Yeah. You can't he, say that about very many centers. No, and he was just the confidence he showed. He like knew he belonged out there. Yeah. The thing about NBA players is they're all talented, but what separates the good from the great is the mental side of the game, and when you know you're good the results speak for themselves yeah the other starter at the either the power forward or the center I probably would say Mason Plumley. I think he and Myers would be a great inside out uh, duo um I don't think you can play Plumley and Ed Davis at the same time just because neither of them is gonna stretch the defense, especially if you have a Minu. Yeah, Sage, I know is not the best shooter. Despite his playoff numbers. Despite last his playoff numbers, he can hit the well, knock. Sample spot, size, homie. But you're gonna play him, he needs to be surrounded by guys who are gonna spread the floor, so yeah. he can't slash. Yeah. So that's why I don't really like Davis and Vom or Davis and Plumley together. Um I'd love to see Vomley start. I don't know if that's gonna happen. Yeah. Um So what, who do you think is the odd man out? You know, you've got
2: you got Plumley, you've got, Plumlee, you've got uh, Myers Leonard, you've got Chris Kamen, Von Lee. And
1: Ed Davis, that's five people playing two positions. You know, I think the logical answer is Chris Kamen. I think he's kept on board just because of the mentorship he provided to Myers Leonard. I mean, he was always there. Myers read it, Chris Kamen, Joel Freeland, and Kim Hughes. Well, Joel Freeland's gone. Kim Hughes got fired. So it's really Chris Kamen. If you want to see Myers Leonard succeed and continue on this path that he's going, you've got to keep one of those three there. And I think that's why, why Kamen's on board. He's got such a flexible contract, too. So if you do have to move him at the deadline, it's expiring deal but um i think cayman especially at this point in his career is probably okay uh, with being a mentor being a a, kind of like a player coach to myers so sage give us a breakdown of the the
2: schedule some of the things you see coming
0: out of the blazers have 19 back-to-back games which is a little more than average because average is 17 our longest helm stand will be 12 days from january 20th to February 5th, and I think that might be the easiest stretch of the schedule as well, which Atlanta, the Lakers, the Kings, the Hornets, Minnesota, Milwaukee, and Toronto, and I think we're going to have about five nationally televised games. The teams that we play four times, two at home, two away, in the non-division, is the Grizzlies, Pelicans, Rockets, Clippers, Kings, and Warriors. So who are the teams we only get three times? Mavericks, Lakers, but we play them twice at home. Yep. Spurs and Suns would play them once at home. So yeah.
1: overall, it, to me, that looks like, you know, you look at the longest road trip at six games, that's not too daunting, but being in Portland, our closest rivals geographically are, you know, the Kings, Warriors, and Jazz, which that's are pretty far away. You know, I remember back in the 90s, we had the Vancouver Grizzlies, the Seattle Sonics. You know, we, we didn't get shafted every single time, um, but I think that's going to be the case until another team in the Northwest comes along. We're always going to have the longest travel, the the most miles traveled. I do think for, you know, the 82-game season, this Trailblazer team, they have a lot of depth. I mean, to the degree of how successful that depth is going to be is, you know, to be seen. But, you know, they've got a lot of players that Olshay picked up that, you know, we can go two to three deep, and God forbid there's an injury... I think there's going to be players that can, that can step up, and that's what you're going to need over the course of, of an 82 game season. You know, that that's yeah. that's the thing about the Trailblazers. Either they need to find a way to sneak into the eighth spot, or they need to, to you know, tank. They're, none of that finishing with the eighth or ninth worst record. If, you, if you're going to lose, you, you really got to go for it because we need <laughs> that, that game changer. Yeah. yeah. Whenever you're playing games like that I and mean, you're
2: not playing to lose, but you're, you know, playing all your, your young guys, it's get, development. Yeah, it's development. They're getting experience. You know, and then you get to see which are are going to pan out and you start to start to understand you know you see him against actual NBA talent and actual NBA games you don't have to judge it all in summer league a lot
1: of people I think they're underestimating this Trailblazer team I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs but and even though I think it would be more beneficial for them to be one of the worst teams draft lottery wise I think they're going to surprise some people it reminds me a lot of the 0708 team when we won the lottery and we got Odin but he was you know unfortunately had the micro fracture everyone wrote us off Well, that team still ended up winning 41 games, had a 13-game win streak, and really was a catalyst. Next year's team, that was co-division champions, won 54 games. So I just see a lot of similarities between those two teams. One of the best home crowd advantages in the NBA. So, you know, 41 times a year, you're going to have an advantage. I just, I think with Lillard, his mentality, he's now got complete control of that locker room. He doesn't have to defer to anybody. This is his show. This is his squad. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to finally see stats. Play an up-tempo type of basketball, which I'm extremely excited for. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I just I think we're gonna come up on some teams. They're gonna be sleeping, and we're gonna catch a lot of people napping. Yeah. All right, so let's
2: talk about a few games that we're looking forward to. December first, we've got the Mavericks coming to town. That's one I was looking forward to because I want to see Wes. I want to. I hope I'm hoping he's back out there. He's full strength. You just it's hard to not like a guy like Wes Matthews, with just the heart that he showed on the basketball floor and um, and everything he gave to the Trailblazers. You can't fault him for anything. And I feel like, like Dustin said, he just kind of left left the Rose Garden the last time um, just with a whimper when he should have gone out with a bang. And so I'm looking forward to him coming back uh, December 5th against the Timberwolves. Carl uh, Anthony Towns coming to town, uh, so to speak, no pun intended. Um,
1: but don't forget, you know, Andrew Wiggins, Andrew and Zach Higgins, Levine. Yeah, they do have an exciting young team. They are... Uh, they're actually a team that really scares me because I saw Towns play in Summer League, and the thing that impressed me most, as with all big men, the ability to pass the basketball out of the post. You cannot double-team a guy if he can pass because they're going to find the cutter. And he was lethal with that. You know, Wiggins started to live up to the hype towards the end. Um, that team still has a lot of tradable assets. What do you think Wiggy's ceiling is? You know, I, I don't think it's a LeBron or a Kobe. I think it's a, a notch below. I still think he's going to be a perennial all-star. I think he's a, a guy you can build your team around. Yeah, so... Um, Wrapping up your top three must-see games, who's the last one on the list? For uh, you January 23rd, the Lakers are coming to town. Any
2: time the Blazers and Lakers play, you know, it's always an event, and uh, that could be Kobe's last game in Portland if this is his farewell tour. I want to be there, just boo the living crap out of him and let him know just how much we as Blazer fans hate his stinking guts and hope that he repairs that very day.
1: I know Thing to add is it's been two years since he's played in the Rose Garden. That was that you know fantastic game where he and Lillard were just trading Lillard, a rookie, Kobe, you know the Wiley vet, and they were just. I think he, Kobe may have had forty plus. I know Lillard had a, that was the, he said a career high for that game. He was over thirty. Kobe even tweeted out after the game. You know, Lillard was playing with that gas. Obviously it earned the respect of the Hall of Famer on that night. I think it could be his last game in Portland. Regardless of my feelings towards Kobe, he always made those games must-see. Like, you always had to be in attendance. The Kobe fanboys mixed with, you know, the Blazer Maniacs. Yeah. You know, you got the Beat LA chants going. Throw out the record books. Those games. A lot of near fights in the concourse. You know, up in 300 level where, where the real fan's at. Yeah, the booze is flying, <laughs> so are the fists.
2: <laughs> but yeah, as much as I do just dislike Kobe on every level, he might be one of those players that in a couple years I look back and I do have more respect for. And there are times when I've, when I've actually had to look at his game and realize that yes as much as i hate him and think that he's in my in my uh in my heart i want him to be a guy that is absolutely terrible
1: i watch him play and i realize he's actually very talented yeah you know and i think on the court kobe and off the court kobe if you can separate those two yeah on the court kobe is one of the greatest players we've seen he's just he has the drive and the work ethic to be much unparalleled that that we've seen but really that's enough kobe talk for this podcast i want to go into my three games that i'm looking forward to Number one, opening night, Blazers versus Sage's Pelicans. I was stoked because I knew I'd be watching with this with this gentleman. Uh but he's in for I think a rude awakening, you know, his team's gonna take a couple early L's. Uh I don't know if Sage knows this or not, but the Trailblazers have won thirteen straight home openers. I don't see it. How are you gonna stop A D? It's just magic. Home openers. We just okay. find a way with Juan Dixon as our starting shooting guard, we yeah. can do it with Gerald Henderson. Sebastian Telfer, Juan Dixon, Victor
2: Cryoppa, Uh <laughs> Probably Hassan Jin was playing in there. Probably. I Shout mean, out to my Asian was, brother. And we still won, so I'm just saying, it, something about the Magic. Of course, now that we talked about it, it's, we jinxed it now.
1: All right, I, had, I had my fingers crossed, so we're all good game. Rip City. Uh, second, game, on wood. second game is definitely the one and only game that LaMarcus Aldridge comes back to Portland. I think it's going to be a very emotional affair. One thing I'm worried about buying tickets for this game is I think Greg Popovich could troll us all and just rest <laughs> him. Whenever you buy tickets to the Spurs, be aware that Pop just doesn't give a crap. He will Remember rest- when he played his
0: starters like 38 minutes a game when they were young. I kind of miss that when you're buying a, a tickets to the game. Yeah. But
1: obviously the results for his team speak for themselves, so, you know, do you, Pop. Last game is January 13th. It's the first time Utah comes to Portland. As a kid, I grew up with Clyde's Blazers, those early 90s Blazers. And the one One of the things that sticks out in my mind are the playoff battles that we had with the Jazz. We beat them in 91, beat them in 92 to go to the Finals. Carmelo stayed with the Jazz. Our power forwards changed. We still found a way to beat them. We took them out in '99 and 2000, and they've always been one of my my biggest rivals because of the playoff history we've had. Now they're on the up and up and come. Uh, they got Gobert, who is just a monster. The Stifle Tower, Derek Fabers is starting to come into his own. Gordon Hayward. Um, unfortunately, Dante Exum, you know, was lost to the season. But I think Did you see much in them last year. I didn't see much Jazz fans, you know, thinking the season's lost and they're not going to make the playoffs because Exum's not there. I, I don't quite see that. I know his defense is is pretty good, but he just was so terrible on offense that it's like playing four on five. But I really think it's going to be a matchup of two teams, you know, kind of both, you know, ascending. And I'm really looking forward to both teams coming into their own at the same time. So hopefully we can get more playoff rivalries going because those memories that I had in the past were, were fantastic, and hopefully we can make more. Well, so final thoughts before we uh, wrap things up here. Uh, what do you think?
2: Just throwing it out there. What do you think our record's going to be next year for the Blazers?
1: It's tough to say because I think Olshay is going to make more moves. We're still at over ten million. I think we're between ten and twenty million under the salary cap minimum. So I think there are more moves to be made. I don't think this is the final roster. I do think we're going to be closer to five hundred than most people think. I'll have a direct answer on our on our next preview podcast. But for now, I'm definitely saying over thirty five. Yeah, Sage. What about you? Under thirty five. I think we need to make a friendly wager on that, Sage. Well, let's wait until the start. I'll think of what I want. You think of what you want. Um, actually. You know, it's not going to matter what you're going to want because, you know, I'll end up... Getting that dub. The team that I want to tank usually gets the first pick. I will graciously give you what you want in the <laughs> form of a bet if the Blazers are going to put the first
2: pick. Yeah, uh, I think around thirty-five is a good number, but I would, if I had to put money on it right now, I would probably have to say under. Yeah, between 30 35 would probably be. I, I think we will win some games that we shouldn't, but I think we should all we'll also, you know, our youth is going to catch up with us. We're going to be inconsistent. We'll see. There, we'll see how much what happens when Damian Lillard is leading this team, and he may. Support surprise everybody and be able to pick this whole team up by its bootstraps and lead us to the playoffs who knows you know the coming going into the season you know it is the exciting thing is that we don't know what we have and and it hasn't been that way for quite a while so um so it will be exciting to get to see and and at the end of the season we may all be wishing we had had what we had last year even if it was kind of mediocre but um i think it's going to be an exciting season do you see another all-star
1: on the blazers right now i do i think myers Leonard has potential to be an all-star he was a 50-40-90 guy when you got time. I think the sky's the limit for him. Myers Legend, I am on board that. Band.
2: Mason Plumlee, I think, could also be an all-star. I mean, if nothing else, just because the center position is not uh, a very strong one anymore, I think he could go in as a center. But I do think he has the the potential to to continue to grow. And, you know, I could see him being you know, better than Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez is a good, very good offensive player, but not much else. I think Mason Plumlee is a better all-around player. I could see him making an all-star team. Have the Twin Towers, Myers Leonard, and Mason Plumlee wouldn't be a bad wouldn't be a bad combination if they both grow into their potential. So. I don't know. I think that about wraps it up. Well, that about does it for the Holy Backboard Podcast. It's going to be back. We are going to be doing this more consistently. I guarantee it. A, it's a stone-cold lead pipe lock. So we're going to get back together. We're going to uh, talk as the season goes on. It'll be fun as the, uh, the season approaches. If we uh, make some more moves, obviously we'll be right on top of that. And can't
1: wait to talk to you guys again. And if you have any questions, definitely hit us up on Twitter at holy backboard we'd love to take your questions answer them get back to you i'm glad to be back into this i'm excited for the season can't wait
2: big shout out to d sage for helping us produce the show it's been fun been real guys and uh we'll talk to you soon all right well i'm matt i'm dustin i'm sage and good good night night, everybody everybody.
1: let's